Does that sound like a frugal, stingy little drop here and there? No, it sounds like an overflowing, abundant blessing given to believers to faithfully give to God. Now, there's something that has always boggled my mind when I was growing up. You know, in my family, I'm surrounded by many givers. My parents, for example, like many of the parents watching tonight, they are immigrants and they gave up all of their material possessions in the Philippines. And they moved back, moved here to Canada just so that their children could have a better future. You know, I don't even know if I, if I would still be on earth if I did, we didn't move to Canada. I was very sickly as a child. I was hospitalized for months because I had a terrible asthma. And so I don't know where I would be if my parents didn't move me to Canada. My brother was similar. He almost died of pneumonia himself. So I, I got to thank my parents for that. They were always giving up everything for the sake of their children. My sister Hannah, everybody knows my sister Hannah. She frequently gives of her time, treasures, and her talents to the ministry, to other people. And she's very giving. My brother, though he's a little bit more shy, he's a little bit more quiet. Whenever a need arises in the family, he is more than willing to give of his own treasures to support my parents or to support anybody else. There was even one time that he was willing to part with one of his kidneys for this and give it to another person, and he, and he barely knew this person. And it was, uh, my, my parents had to stop him from doing that. My sister Christiane is the same way. I would often come home from work, and I would see a bunch of food on my desk, and she bought me food, even though I didn't ask for it. And so I'm surrounded by a lot of givers, not just my family, but many of those here in the church. People have given me rides. People have uh, uh, bought me free food in times past when I had no, no money for myself. I've learned a lot of sacrifices of time that have been given to me throughout the years. And I've been surrounded by this countless examples of givers. Now this is what boggles my mind. All of those good examples around me. Yet for some reason, I still grew up selfish. Specifically when it came to my possessions. You know, back in my teen years, I used to be addicted to Coke, like the, the drink, like the Coca-Cola. If I had a can of Coke, you'd be lucky to just get a sip of that Coca-Cola. I would slap your hand away. I would, I would grab my cup before I even took a sip. I was so selfish. I wouldn't let anybody touch my food. I wouldn't let anybody touch my things. If I had a box of fries, I would give you the smallest piece. You know, if you search up the definition of selfish, my smug face would probably show up. Now, this selfishness manifested itself, especially when it came to the topic and ministry of tithing. One of my greatest struggles was always to become a faithful giver, was being a faithful giver. I would have excuse upon excuse as to why I couldn't tie that week. And I became so good at tricking and deceiving myself that those excuses seemed to be reality for me. And they seemed to be justified. You know, I wish I could have the same exact testimony as Pastor White. He started faithfully tithing four months before he was saved himself. He was already tithing before he even came to know Jesus Christ. But I don't have that testimony. I would often hear sermons when I was a teenager on tithing with a closed mind. And I continued to question its necessity. 
I continue to believe on the, the, the secular philosophies of different um, denominations of why tithing is no longer necessary in the church. But this passage in Exodus chapter 36 played a pivotal role as to my change in mentality. I read it when I was just reading through my Bible. It was, it was a verse that really stood out to me. Specifically, uh, verse 6. And by God's grace, I have made significant improvements when it comes to giving in general. And it had its start with this passage. Now, the context of this passage is not specifically about traditional tithing. It was actually regarding a, a free will offering to help with the building of the tabernacle. They asked the, for the cooperation of, of Israel to give some, some money for, to, to build the tabernacle. And that's what this was. This was that's, that was the context of the passage. But the reason why I chose this verse is because of what the latter part of verse 6 says. So the people were restrained from bringing. The Israelites were so willing to give to God that they had to be restrained. They had to be stopped from giving any more. They were giving in excess to God. You know what? When I read that verse in my personal study, floods of emotion surged within me of shame, of embarrassment. All those years of selfishness, all of those years of withheld tithes started just flooding into my mind. The Israelites, their giving had to be restrained. Whereas I had to be poked, I had to be prodded, I had to be constantly reminded to give. This example, this story of the Israelites put to view the excessive selfishness of my own heart. Now, that passage combined with just a renewed study on the topic of tithing. I started reading different books on the, on the matter of uh, handling God's money. Those two things combined led to me having just a change of heart regarding this ministry of tithing. And that is precisely the object of today's sermon. To teach about the ABCs the basics of tithing to help those who may be struggling. This sermon is not coming from someone who has been a lifetime tither. I'm only 22 years old. I'm quite young. But this sermon is coming from someone who's been battling and trying to question this ministry of tithing and has been finally, through, by, through the grace of God, has had a change of heart regarding tithing. So I pray that this message will, be, will speak to those who may be struggling as I, has, I was, as I once was. But before we get into the message, let us just open in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for this message that you have placed upon my heart. I pray, Lord, that you would help me preach uh, scriptures with confidence. And I pray, Lord, that you would help me to just preach your word with zeal as well. And I pray, Lord, that you would uh, help me to eliminate anything that is not of your word and is not truth. And I pray this all in your name. Amen. So my first point for tonight is tithing is to be done in obedience. Turn with me to Malachi chapter 3. Malachi chapter 3. And when it comes to tithing, a lot of people um, will flock to Malachi because there's a significant passage found in Malachi chapter 3. The first point is done in obedience. In Malachi 3 verses 8 to 10, it says, Will a man rob God? Yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings. You are cursed with a curse, for you have robbed me, even this whole nation. And here's the command. 
Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. There it is. That's the command. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse. Focus on that word, all. Now, the problem with the Israelites at this point was that they were withholding the tithes that they were required to give back to God. They were withholding portions of it, and maybe in some cases they were just completely withholding the entire tithe for the purpose of rebuilding their homes. Pastor White talked about this earlier in the morning sermon. They just got back from exile. After 70 years, they just finally returned home, and they returned home to see all of their homes and all of their livelihood destroyed or near destroyed. And so they wanted to rebuild their homes. And so they decided to withhold their tithes so that they can prioritize the building of their own homes rather than the temple of God. God required them to bring in all the tithes into the storehouse, but they had been unfaithful in carrying out that task. Now, in the Old Testament, that storehouse was referring to the temple, the temple of God. And so others may take that to mean that tithing is exclusive to the Old Testament. And it is a very, that is a very prevalent argument that a lot of people make in the internet. They say that tithing is exclusive only to the Israelites, to the Levites. But in 1 Corinthians 6, 1-2, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store, as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. In the New Testament, the church is the storehouse. That is the, the, the recipient of the tithes. The reason why this is so important to bring up is because many accuse and say tithing only belongs to the dispensation of the law. And they say that because it is now the dispensation of grace, tithing is no longer necessary. Away with it. We are under grace. Now, this belief, this accusation can be refuted in two ways. In Genesis 14.20, we see one of the uh, Israelites' forefathers, Abraham. We see Abraham tithing, and he wasn't part of the dispensation of law. Abraham was tithing 400 years before the dispensation of the law. He was part of the dispensation of promise, yet he tithed. Now, you might say, that's still the Old Testament. That doesn't really say it's for the New Testament. You're still giving examples of the Old Testament. Well, in Hebrews 7, 8, it says, And here men that died receive tithes, but there he receiveth them, of whom it is witness that he liveth. So during Paul's day, during the time of the writing of Hebrews, during the dispensation of grace, which is the current dispensation, the church was already also receiving tithes. So no matter how you try to accuse or excuse yourself, it is no secret that tithing was done during Abraham's time, during the the dispensation of the law, and currently during the dispensation of grace. And this is the greatest proof that tithing is necessary. Jesus himself in Luke 11.42 requires tithing to be done. Jesus criticizes the hypocrisy of the Pharisees And he tells them, but woe unto you, Pharisees, for ye tithe mint and rue and all manner of herbs and pass over judgment and the love of God. These ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Now, 
The Pharisees were tithing. But they were passing over the weightier matters, the weightier things of the law, like love. But what Jesus told them is that they ought to have done both. He says, these ought ye to have done and not to leave the other undone. Meaning that, yes, it was good that they were tithing and they should keep tithing, but they also had to remember those weightier things of the law, to love others. They had to do both. Jesus required them to do both. These ought ye to have done. And as you can see, there's plenty of scriptural support to show that tithing is necessary for the church believer to partake in. The problem lies in the fact that a lot of people, when they're trying to excuse the necessity of tithing, they twist a lot of verses out of context just so that they can fit their, their story, that they can fit their arguments. But if you just read scripture in its proper context, you can see the abundance of support for tithing. And so we ought to obey this command from God and obey it in love and sincerity. That should be enough. That should be enough to fuel our giving because it is a command from God we ought to give to him. I'm not sure who said this quote, but it says, giving isn't so much a matter of what you have as much as it is a matter of who has you. Your giving reveals who has your heart. And my lack of giving prior showed who had my heart. At the end of the day, it was Satan. He was controlling my pockets. He was the one directing what I should buy and what I should invest in. He had completely corrupted my wallet. But those who are faithfully giving to God, their tithes, we know who has your heart. We know that you love God because you have been faithful to him. That's the first point, done in obedience. But the second point is, it is done by faith. It is, tithing is to be done by faith. Many of you know this verse by heart, but Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Now, last week, we heard a great sermon uh, preached by Pastor Tim on the topic of faith, and the title was, Why Faith? And so it's not necessary for me to wax eloquent on the topic of faith, because we've already heard a great sermon on it last week. But like all of our Christian service, tithing must be done by faith. A preacher once said, I think it is not well known in the church that payments of tithing has very little to do with money. Tithing has to do with faith. Tithing has to do with faith. Hebrews 11.6 is clear in the fact that we cannot please God without faith. Pleasing God without faith is as impossible as me trying to jump up and touch the auditorium ceiling. I may jump decently high, but even if you give me my entire lifetime and, and I devoted my entire life to touching the ceiling, 40 years later, I still wouldn't be close to touching the ceiling of this auditorium. It's impossible. Impossibility does not equate to low probability. Impossibility means zero chance of it happening. There is zero chance a Christian believer can please God if you take away faith from the equation. But the beauty of faith is that it is not exclusive. It can be exercised by everyone. By the Bible college student, by the pastor, by just a humble layman in the church. 
young or old, great or small, faith can be acquired by anyone. But now, why would tithing require faith? Why do we need faith for tithing? It's just 10%. Why would we need faith for something like that? Well, we need faith to give to God despite the buildup of different bills and payments. If you're a college student, sometimes the tuition may start to scare you and all the bills that you have to pay might start to scare you and you start excusing yourself from paying the tithe. Parents maybe um, have a lot of stresses in their life. A lot of bills start coming out from all over the place and they, instead of being faithful to God, we decide to withhold our tithes. So we need to faith to give to God even if circumstances may not be in our favor. We need faith that we can live with the remaining 90% of our income. We need faith that we, we don't need that 10%, that we can live off of that 90%. We need, to, we need faith to tithe more to God as our salary increases. John D. Rockefeller, he was known as the wealthiest American of all time and known by many as the richest person in modern history, even, um, even richer than Elon Musk and uh, what's the other guy's name? Jeff Bezos. And he said, I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I ever made if I had not tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 per week. He started faithfully tithing when he just had this small, meager sum of money. And when he finally, and when God finally blessed him with riches, he still continued to faithfully tithe. And he tithed a million dollars. He continued to tithe faithfully his 10% to God. And if you don't start tithing now when your, 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 sum, your, your, your money is low, when you start getting a lot of money, you'll have more excuses not to tithe that larger amount. And the fourth reason as to why we need faith to tithe introduces us to the third point of the night, which is we need faith to believe that God will bless us for faithfully tithing. Now, this is the, the most joyful part of the entire sermon. Is because tithing, in my third point, is done to receive God's blessings. It is done to receive God's blessings. If you're still in Malachi 3, um, read with me 10, uh, verses 10 to 12. It says, Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meats in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. Neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. For me, when it comes to giving, I'm, more, I'm most hesitant to give when there is not an immediate incentive for me to give. If I know I'm going to be giving of my time, my treasure and my talent to something, and I know that there's really uh, nothing in it for me, back when I was a teenager, count me out. I, wouldn't have, I would have said no immediately because there was nothing in it for me. And it's hardest to give when there's no incentive for us. But that is not the case for tithing. I'm not, this is not to say that receiving God's blessing should be the motivation, the, the sole motivation for our tithing, but this is just to say that when we tithe, God pays back more than we ever give to him. Not just materially, but he blesses us in so many ways. Let me read that one phrase again. Prove me now herewith, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall be, 
that there shall not be room enough to receive it. As I mentioned earlier, the Israelites were focused on rebuilding their homes rather than rebuilding the temple of God. For 70 years, they had been in exile. And when they had returned, everything was destroyed. And so they got to work. They withheld all of their money and kept it to themselves. And they started laboring. They started laboring to increase their own wealth. And what was the profit? What was, what, what was the fruit of their labor? Well, in Haggai 1.6, it says, Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. They labored for themselves, and look where it got them. Absolutely nowhere. They were putting their wages into a hole with a bag. They lacked God's blessings. They chose to withdraw their tithes. They chose to forsake uh, their tithing, their giving of tithing. And God decided to withdraw his blessings. Now this story, this, this specific story with the Israelites was a matter of priority. And many chose to pick themselves because ultimately the problem is they were short-sighted. They believed that if they quickly rebuilt their homes, then prosperity would soon follow. If they could get their life restarted immediately, everything would return to normal soon enough. But the reality was different. God blesses when we make him the priority. Now, this blessing that he gives is not just a, a single drop here. It's not, a, it's not just a single drop there. But look at the wording here. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall, be not, there shall not be room enough to receive it. Does that sound like a frugal, stingy little drop here and there? No, it sounds like an overflowing, abundant blessing given to believers to faithfully give to God. He will give us more than we ever expect, more than we ever deserve. Maybe a, a lot of times, a lot of the blessing that God's, God gives to us is not immediately seen. It's not something that we can really grasp with our eyes. A lot of it is something that is completely invisible to us. A lot of that blessing is like that. That's why we don't appreciate all of the things that God does for us. We take Him for granted. Some people take it to mean that if we give to God they'll be turned into millionaires the next week. Or if you, if you give to God your 10%, and the next day, the next month, you'll have a Ferrari and a Lamborghini in your garage. That's not what blessing, blessing is not just in the form of material possessions. There is so much, there, is, there are so many more ways that God blesses us in. In the Bible, we see this principle of God blessing to those who give them in 1 Samuel 2.20. In this story, Hannah had just given birth to Samuel. She was, she's been praying for, to, for God to give her a child for, many, many, uh, for a long time now. And God finally gave it to Hannah. And what did Hannah do? She faithfully gave her firstborn to God. Now Hannah may have thought that she may never again conceive a child in her lifetime. She may have thought that this was her, probably her last opportunity to ever bear a child. But regardless of those thoughts, she faithfully gave to God. She faithfully gave away her child to God. 
So what did God do? Well, in 1 Samuel 2.20, he gave Hannah three more sons and two more daughters. Because Hannah decided to give her firstborn to God, God gave her a 500% increase in children. What was once a barren woman now became a mother of six because she decided to give faithfully to God. Similarly, the times in which Israel as a nation was faithful in their service and tithing were the same instances in which the country was prospering. It was during the times of David, during the times of Solomon, that they were really prospering as a nation. And those were the times that they gave to God faithfully. And the moments that they would fall away and love other gods, the country would begin to diminish. And this is exactly how God works. He will give much more than we can ever give to him. Now, if you truly believe that God is faithful, then it will not be difficult to believe that he will richly repay you for your faithful love of of tithing. Hebrews 6.10, the first part of Hebrews 6.10 says, For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love, which ye have showed toward his name. Everything that you do for God, your service, the, the, the time you spent with him in the morning, and your tithing, he will not forget any of those things, and he will reward you for your labor. He's not unrighteous to forget all of what you do for him. So be encouraged in the fact that God will bless you for your faithful giving of your tithes. And my last point for the night is tithing is done for God's glory. Tithing is done for God's glory. Now, this verse is well known, and it is a common verse in junior church because it is such a short and concise verse. And it's 1 Corinthians 10, 31. And many of you know it by heart, and it says, Whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. Now, it's a very simple verse, but this is actually the key verse that had an impactful, um, that it really changed my outlook on life, was this verse. It's a very simple verse and can actually easily be memorized by even a child, but it carries with it a demanding principle to do everything for the glory of God. Giving glory to God means that every action that you take within the week from morning to evening, every single action that you commit should be done to honor God. Now, I could go in greater detail with this verse. I could preach another sermon just on this one verse. But the crux of this sermon is tithing. Now, though our tithes are given to the church, ultimately, we are, gi- we are giving the money to God. When we give our tithes to the church, envision yourself not handing it into the box or just doing a simple e-transfer. Envision yourself handing it to God himself, handing it to Jesus Christ himself. Because ultimately, our tithes is received by God. We are giving it to God. A lot of people get turned off by tithing because they think that, and although there are a lot of bad testimonies of many bad churches out there in the history, of people just misusing tithes, of of pastoral staffs misusing tithes and using it to buy Lamborghinis and uh, expensive suits. But this is a good church. 
And the tithing is not mishandled here. But nevertheless, a lot of people have had this horror stories of them giving tithes to this church and the, third, the, the, the church just completely splurges using their money. But don't just envision yourself handing it to a box. Envision, your, envision yourself giving it to God himself. It is used to further his work, not our work. And when something incredible is done with the Lord's money, we must not bring attention to ourselves like the Pharisees did. They like to flaunt. They like to tell the whole street that they were about to give to the Lord. They would flaunt. They would probably wear flashy clothing. They would make it a grand, grand walk to the tithing box or whatever they used to collect tithes. But they would make sure that everybody knew they were tithing. But we must not do what the Pharisees did. We must direct all of our attention towards God. And when God starts blessing and starts to heap blessings upon our life, don't, let's not pat ourselves on the back. Let's look to God and give Him the glory still, both in the, the committing of the tithe and both when we're reaping the blessings of the tithe. Let us give the glory and attention towards God. Now, just recently, this past week, Pastor, Pastor White gave the staff to read, um, encouraged us to read this, this small snippet of, a uh, small excerpt that's, that was called, I Taught the Die Tribe to Tithe. And I just wanted to say that story. I always wanted to retell and summarize that story as, as a way of conclusion from my sermon. J. Arthur Mao, who was a missionary to the natives in West Borneo, accounts of God's great work among the Dayak tribe. Sir Arthur had wanted the Dayaks to be self-supporting, not having to rely on the monthly money that he received from America, from foreign support. But there was a problem. His workers did not believe that this was possible. The Dayaks were poor, and his workers believed that they were just too poor to tithe. But Sir Arthur was persistent. And because he firmly believed in the truth of Scripture, because he firmly believed in God's promise in Malachi, he persisted in trying to teach them this, this, this doctrine of tithing. He firmly believed that tithing would bring about God's rich blessing on this poor tribe of the Dayaks. And so when it finally came time to explain to this tribe how to tithe, this is how he said, this is how he explained it to them. Tithing really means this. If you have 10 chickens, one belongs to the Lord. If 10 eggs, one belongs to the Lord. If 10 measures of rice, one measure belongs to the Lord. And after he said that part, he read that passage on Malachi and he left it at that. That was all he could say. He didn't want to say anymore because he felt embarrassed and maybe ashamed because these people were really too, maybe the, his workers were right. Maybe these, this tribe was too poor to give. He was exceedingly nervous because his two workers did not support him. And he himself started to believe that maybe this tribe just was not fit to give to God, was not fit for tithing. Half an hour later, after the Dayak tribe, tribe um, heard what Sir Arthur preached about, after they had finished discussing with one another, to Sir Arthur's surprise, they readily accepted the tithing challenge. This poor tribe who had nothing to their name 
was willing to accept this tithing challenge. Why? Because they wanted to show some gratitude to God for giving his son to die on their behalf. They were willing to give 10% of what little they had because of how much they loved God and his sacrifice that, they, that he made for us. So the question is, then what? Did they follow through or was it just a vain, or were there just vain empty words? Well, a few weeks later, Sir Arthur awoke and found in his front porch cucumbers, eggs, chickens, bags of rice, fruits and vegetables, all of which may not seem significant to us. We find them in the produce section. But to the Dayaks, that was their entire livelihood. They didn't have money to their name. They only had these, these livestock and these produce things. That was all they could give. But nevertheless, they faithfully gave. Every month, he would faithfully receive the tithes of the Dayak tribe. And Sir Arthur would sell these tithes to Chinese merchants. And he started to accrue some money. And he began building an incredible work here in Borneo. All because of the tithing of the Dayak tribe, of this poor tribe. Ten faithful, month, uh, faithful months of tithing passed. And harvest finally came. Harvest time finally came. And did God bless the Dayak tribe? Absolutely. They saw more rice than they ever had before. The pest left their crops alone. And they received bountiful amounts of grain. And I found it interesting, their reaction, I found their reaction to this interesting. The Dayak tribe were not even surprised by God's blessing. Why? Because from the start, they absolutely believed in the Bible. They absolutely believed that God will fulfill his end of the promise. He knew, they knew, the Dayak, this poor tribe of Dayak, the Dayak tribe, knew 100% that God will bless them. And so they were not even surprised by the bountiful harvest. The Bible never lied to them, and so why would they start questioning it now? There's so much more to this story. But fast forward a couple years, the Dayaks, without any need for foreign support, and just because of their faithful tithing, the Dayak tribe, this poor, lowly Dayak tribe, were able to erect 10 churches, and each having parsonages. They were able to house their local pastors, they had no debt. They were finally able to afford clothing for themselves, something that was seen as a complete luxury to the Dai tribe. They were finally sending out their own missionaries. And most of all, Sir Arthur's prayer was answered. They were completely self-sustaining. This poor Dai tribe who only had bananas and cucumbers and chicken and eggs to their name, look how mightily God blessed this poor tribe. Because they decided to entrust what little they had to God, God started this incredible ministry in West Borneo. Too poor to tithe is an invalid excuse. The Dayak tribe had almost nothing to their names, yet they faithfully gave every single month. They were faithful to him, and God was abundantly faithful to them. The only way we will, ex we will truly experience and learn the joy of tithing is when we start to faithfully tithe ourselves. 
We have to remember that tithing is to be done in obedience to the command of God. It is to be done by faith. And we have to be encouraged in the fact that it is done to receive God's bountiful blessings. And ultimately, it is done for the glory of God. Thank you for watching the message today. We invite you to join us again every Sunday and Wednesday for more inspiring messages from God's Word.